Hey there, my name is Lexi and thank you so much for joining me today. In this episode, I'm going to be reviewing the book PTO, Prayed Time Off by Jasmine London Elixir Brooks, who is a super dope engineer. She's a super dope producer. And because of that, she's just a beautiful creative person. Uh, I first met London on the set of filming for a reality show, which was about producers around Atlanta. I want to say it was maybe like Beat Auction ATL or something like that. I wish I could remember the name of the show, but that's where I first met London Elixir. And she's just a really dope person. I've been following her for a while and I even participated in her um, Don't Give a Funk challenge that she had a few years ago which was extremely fun but her production is just so much different from everything else that I hear out here in Atlanta and it's so refreshing especially to have that fresh sound from a woman <laughs> who is doing a damn thing but I'm going to be reviewing her book PTO Prayed Time Off which was released I want to say was it during pandemic year? 2020 it was released during pandemic year which makes this all the more better so i'm going to be reviewing this book and if that's something you are interested in hearing more about stay tuned i actually read this book and finished reading it last year but for some reason i just never got around to recording the video book review for this i think at the time i had just got done finishing man it was a good year for reading i had finished etta james and alicia keys and claudette king and john gosh i forget his name it's an author that i'm not like personally tied to but he interacted with me on one of my youtube videos and said hey could you review my book and i did so i had just come off of reading those four books and London Elixir had also dropped hers. So I thought, oh my God, I'm always looking for a way to support people that I personally personally know, especially because I know how difficult it is as a creative person feeling like you don't have support. So anytime I can show support to my friends, to my associates, to people who I just think are dope, then that's what I'm gonna do. So London Elixir, she wrote this book and released it last year and I had to cop it. Like, come on, it's only... Which is this book? It don't matter how much it was. You should support her too, especially if you know her. And come on. Anyway, but we're going to get into this book review. So this book is called PTO, Prayed Time Off. It is a play on the acronym that uh, most people know as paid time off with a traditional like nine to five job, right? PTO, Prayed Time Off for from London Elixir. And as soon as you read that title, at least for me, of course I'm thinking it's gonna relate in some way to the word of God, it's gonna relate to God, and that's what I'm expecting from the book. And that is very much what you can expect from this as well. So if you are not someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, the teachings of the Bible, then it might, hopefully it's not gonna be off-putting to you, but they, these are still really great references, really great points to keep in your own arsenal, your own repertoire of things that will inspire you 
and sayings, words that will encourage you. So really, whether you follow the religion or not, it's just a great book to follow. There are so many references that are meant to help you. It's really like a self-help book as well. But she gives personal examples of how she overcame certain things and how she navigated certain things in her journey to becoming, you know, all-time producer, super producer, especially out here in Atlanta. Um, so the book is a quick and easy read. You can see by the thickness of it, it's not a very big book. It is only 59 pages of words on the page, or like 59 pages of like the main text. And then there's maybe like 10 extra pages of about the author, dedication, table of contents, stuff like that. So super quick read. You could probably knock this book out within an hour, two hour time frame. And the chapters are not very long. They're made really short. So it feels like you're getting through the book quickly. It doesn't feel like you're dragging or stuck in one spot for too long, which we all know can be kind of important for people who tend to have a short attention span. Now me personally, I like to read. And especially with it being from somebody that I do know, I do wish it was longer. That would be my only gripe about this book. It's the same critique I had for Claudette King. Hers was about this big. I wish it was, bit, it was bigger. I wish it was more detail. I wish there was just more given, but this is actually the perfect length for a book. So as far as I could tell, and I'm pretty much a stickler when it comes to grammar and punctuation, no grammatical mistakes, no punctual mistakes. So I can tell that she really made sure she combed through the book to make sure everything was right. The format of the book, it's chapter and title or theme is introduced first, and then you're given a life reference, so her personal experience, and then you're given a scripture reference. So there are nine lessons or nine chapters in this book that she is giving to us. And let me turn to the table of contents, which I love the font as well. The font, I feel like it fits that face. Like, come on, it's beautiful. I can just tell that she put a lot of, um, she put a lot of work and effort and love into this book. And why wouldn't you if your name is going to be on it? So there are nine lessons or nine chapters in this book. Using your job as a stepping stool, worry about yourself, get to know God, purpose versus passion, Faith without works is dead. Protect your energy. Act accordingly. Shake and shift. Perspective. Oh, perspective was the last one. And then conclusion was wild faith. So it's like a bonus section in there. And I'm just going to take you through some of my favorite parts of the book. And um, not only read what she put, but relate it to myself as well. So I do have my notes here. Bear with me as I flip through those pages. And for anyone who is watching, if you're not if you're not watching, but you're only listening, then you don't see what I have on. But for anyone who is watching, I'm about to have this Christmas sweater on for the rest of my videos for the rest of 2021. So y'all get buckled in. But uh, let me see here. The first one is, I'm not even gonna worry about chapters. We're just gonna go off of the page numbers. So page six, we're referencing David playing the Lear equaling an entry level job position. So, although David was anointed, he still continued in his current role as a shepherd. Not only that, but he began to play the lyre for Saul, the current king, to soothe him whenever an evil spirit would come over him. So David had two jobs, 
I like to think of him playing the Lear as an entry-level position. It allowed him to be around the current king and possibly learn things he could use when his time came to be king. And the reason why I picked this out as um, part of the text that stuck out to me is because of that line, you know, entry level position. Um, and it reminded me a lot of myself where even though I may not have had jobs that seem to be directly tied to my passion, which is music, I always, no matter what job I was working in, I always tried to ask myself, what can I learn from this job to take for myself, whether it's just personal skills in life or if it's structure, structural and system skills that I could put into place for my own business, for my own passion. So any job I've had, I always try to make sure that I'm thinking what I can learn. And I've had a good amount of jobs. So like fast food and restaurant jobs, oftentimes, especially like fast food places, you kind of get stuck in doing a routine thing, but you realize that there is a structure for a reason. So like everything has already been mapped out at the fast food restaurant, right? So it doesn't seem like there's anything, it doesn't seem like a fast food job would have anything to do with music. But when you look at how a franchise is set up, especially you realize that there's a very clear foundation. There are very clear systems in place, very clear chains of command, very clear menu items and descriptions. And then across all those franchises, it's the same. So no matter where you go, you're getting the same standard, hopefully of service, but especially the same standard of food service. So when I was working at Wendy's, for example, right? I guess I don't even really need to go into that example, but as far as the systems, it highlights the importance of knowing what you want to do and then outlining for yourself how you want them to be done so that when you encounter people who want to book you for your services, for example, you always have a way of taking people through how they're going to experience your services. So that's what I took away from fast food and restaurant jobs that I've been in. I've worked at clothing stores, which again, all jobs that I've been to, there's already a system put into place that is basically like a groundwork for how you need to act every single time you interact, interact with a guest, with a customer. So whether it was restaurants, whether it was a clothing store, clothing store had the same system, but for me, that was a chance for me to kind of learn about fashion. If I wanted to relate that to music, I need to look good and be visually appealing because the industry that I'm in is very visual. So that was my opportunity to learn about fashion. And then I started working in gyms, exercise places. And what that was teaching me was, first off, I started out working with kids, which <laughs> that was teaching me patience. <laughs> and then I upgraded or, you know, uh, how do I say? Upgraded, promoted, I guess. I became a kickboxing instructor. And for that, other than having to stay fit and then having to write out workout programs, um, staying fit, obviously, to maintain that visual image of my body, if I'm relating it to music. And then also, I had to yell. I had to command a class. I had to hold people's attention. I had to keep people excited. I had to encourage people. I had to influence people's energy. And for me, I saw that as one of the best 
preps that I could get for being an artist because when you look at artists like Beyonce, you have to be in tip top athletic shape to be able to run around stage and dance and sing and control your air for about two hours. That's what she does. For my classes, I'm starting out, I'm only doing one hour classes, but I'm having to move around, I'm having to yell, I'm having to keep my energy up, as well as encouraging people to keep their energy up to help them make it through class. So, you know, all of that to say, this reference that she made to David, making his way into the king's court by first playing the lyre, that was his entry level position. But just because it wasn't the position that he necessarily wanted to be in, it was a great way to learn how he may have to be for when he is in that position. And it's also a good uh, reminder that we need to kind of stay humble when we're placed in certain situations. We need to stay humble so we can learn from those things. You know, there might be some things in that position that you don't love. There may, there may be things that you take away and you apply it to your own business, to your own passion for how you, you know, take your clients through an experience of working with you. So I really love that reference that she made with David playing the lyre for the king until he eventually became a king for himself. The next reference that I wrote down is on page 25. This one is in chapter four, purpose versus passion. So the first one was the reference to David was chapter one, which is using your job as a stepping stool. The next reference is chapter four, purpose versus passion. And it reads the part that I'm gonna highlight for y'all. I can touch more people through music than I can at my IT job. I have more influence in a studio session than I do working from home for a medical insurance company. And this stuck out to me because when she said having influence, um, now a lot of people may feel a type of way about working a job that seemingly has nothing to do with their passion, which might be music, right? For, for the sake of this video, for London and for myself, we are in music. So that is what we are most passionate about. A lot of people tend to get discouraged or they have bad attitudes when it comes to working in this job, in these jobs that seemingly have nothing to do with their passion, but you got to realize that you have to be learning at every level. And then when you get to the level that you want to be at, how are you conveying to people your influence? So she said, you know, I can touch more people through music than I can in my IT job. I have more influence in a studio session than I do working from home for a medical insurance company. And I guess just really the word influence is what stuck out to me because I'm always thinking about not only creating a positive experience for people who do decide to do business with me, but I also want to make sure that all of my interactions will be positive so people are more likely to engage with me as an artist or come book me if we're doing business together. And as far as the influence aspect, every person that you touch, you have influence. Even if they're not working with you, every relationship that you have, you have influence over those people. So it's really a powerful thing, especially in music. We have that power of influence because we're working so closely with people and people are trusting us to help elevate their creativity or help elevate their sound, their quality. So that's another part that really stuck out to me. Next up is page 29, which is chapter five, 
Faith without works is dead. Did I outline one here? No, I did not outline a specific text, but basically this is reiterating my point of you have to do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do. So again, I mentioned earlier about people feeling like they're in one job and it's not contributing anything to, you know, where they really want to be so much to the point where they might catch an attitude or they just may not really be paying attention to how their current position can be beneficial to that higher position that they seek to be in someday, right? So do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do. A lot of people forget that even though you may not like that job, it is funding or it has the potential to fund your passion. So why wouldn't you want to make sure that you're kind of like locking in something that is going to fund your passion? Not only is it providing for you, at the very least, you can think of it as this job is allowing for me to provide for myself so that I can not have, so I won't have to worry about where I'm laying my head down at night, but also so I can have maybe some play money to invest into the things that I'm really passionate about. So I always tell people, even if you can't get where you feel like you should be, you need to be okay with starting somewhere because you have to always keep an open mind. You always have to be learning. You always have to be figuring out what can I learn from this and how can I apply it to future situations. So do what you can do until you can do what you want to do. That applies for the jobs that you have. And again, kind of staying humble when you're in certain positions because you are going to, and there's another layer that I just thought of, Sometimes working for people, you learn how you don't want to treat other people who might who are going to eventually be under you because you can't possibly think that to make it to the level that we're all aspiring to, which is like grandiose, it's like big, we're on a huge scale. You nobody wants to work for someone who is that do I want to curse on this? No one wants to work for that boss who is the shitty manager. And just think about how you may have felt when you were working a job that you didn't like. Think about why you didn't like that job. It's not because the job itself was hard. It's not because the job you didn't like the work you were doing. It may not have been what you know you were passionate about, but it's not like you didn't like the work. It was most likely the people you were around. So always keep an open mind. And for peace, for me especially, it kept me sane and it kept me it kept me in a positive mindset so that i always had positive influences on the people who worked with me so that's another portion of it always think about what you can be learning when you are in these positions that you may not want to be in but you have to humble yourself and observe every aspect of it because how, this these are going to be things that are going to shape how you treat people when you get on that level you want to make sure that every person in every facet of your life is going to have a positive experience with you or majority positive because you know sometimes people will mess up and uh you just can't help people not liking you sometimes but in general the message is do what you can until you can do what you want to do and then make sure you are learning at every stage so before i go into a long drawn out like speech 
because I'm not trying to make this video too, too long. Let's move on to the next session. But as you can see, like the words in this book that London wrote, it's really inspirational to me and everything that she wrote, I can relate to myself. So let's move on to the next one. I got, I got two more examples. We're going to jump to page 45. 45. 45, guys. Okay. This one is chapter eight, shake and shift. Being uncomfortable. This is about being uncomfortable and having to move. So she writes, it became obvious that my affiliation with this studio no longer aligned with my personal goals. Things were shaky, so I had to shift. That's the, name of the, that's the name of the chapter. Looking back, this was one of the greatest decisions I made in 2019. After leaving that studio, I was able to put all of my energy into myself instead of volunteering for them. It's not a coincidence that God told me to quit my job almost three months later. The point is, when things start to become insufferable, it may be a sign that you are getting closer to achieving your goals. Be ready to start shifting some things around. God may be trying to get you to remove things from your life that are not conducive to your end goal. A situation becoming uncomfortable creates a sense of urgency for change. Let's let that seep in a little bit. A situation becoming uncomfortable creates a sense of urgency for change. God may be trying to get you to remove things from your life that are not conducive to your end goal. So as far as continuing with the whole conversation of, I feel like I should have this on display right here. As far as continuing with the whole conversation of, you know, jobs and you may be in a position where you feel like you deserve to be on a higher level, sometimes you're going to get to a point where, not sometimes, inevitably, and I'm going to definitely speak from my experience with jobs as well. There, I'm a very positive person and I'm always looking for the positive in a situation. That being said, as I mentioned earlier, I'm always looking for what I can learn in whatever situation I'm in. It's going to get to a point where you don't have anything more to learn. It's like not possible for you to squeeze any more information out and it's time for you to move on. But what happens with some of us and what's definitely happened with me is I have stayed in certain jobs. I've stayed in certain positions. I've stayed in certain relationships that ran their course. And I should have had the courage or maybe the discernment to get out of those things a lot sooner than I did. But I wasn't budging. So God started making things mad uncomfortable or things at the job just started becoming mad uncomfortable because it was time to move. There are going to be signs in your life where it, things around you, God is telling you that it's time to shift. So one example for me would be when I was working in restaurants and things are becoming shaky. I think I was working at Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, I don't know if I should be mentioning names or not, but whatever. We already started mentioning the name, so we're gonna keep we're gonna keep on with it. Um, I worked at Outback Steakhouse as a server, and that is one of the hardest jobs ever <laughs> being a server. If you've never been a server, then I would say try it for at least six months and see if you don't treat people better when it comes to the wait staff at these restaurants. But 
I was uncomfortable at that place because I had been there for I think two years and definitely learned everything I needed to learn. I knew the menu backwards and forwards, um, but I was no longer making the money that I needed to make. And it was becoming uncomfortable for me because I was sacrificing things like, kind of like going through planned fasts because I didn't have enough money for food. I was sacrificing on a lot of luxuries so that I could have enough money to pay my bills and still coming up short to the point where I just have to throw it on my credit card anyway. And I realized like, I can't stay at this level anymore. I need to go to a restaurant that is higher than this level. So I ended up going to Jay Alexander's and that was more money. But with that elevation, I didn't like the people who worked there necessarily. The managers were not nice. And I was there for a year until things became very uncomfortable. It was, I hadn't seen my family, particularly my dad in over a year and a half. And the holiday season was coming up. My first year working there, I worked all of the holidays. So I didn't see anybody. I was making the money I wanted to, more money than I was at Outback Steakhouse, but I worked my ass off for that company. And I wanted to take the next year, I wanted Christmas and New Year's off. So with this job, um, I had to, there were it was block scheduling. So it's not like you get a schedule every week. It's every quarter, these are the days you're gonna work and that's just what it is. If you want off on certain days, you switch shifts with people. And long story short, nobody wants to work the holidays. I thought I had people cover ships for me, but those people did not cover the ships for me. And so I came back to, I came back on the day that I was scheduled and they didn't even let me work the shift. I came in and they fired me right then and there. And it was just like, yo. But before that, the managers were extremely rude. They were all on power trips. Uh, they played favorites. So even though I had worked every single holiday, it's not like anybody cared. Um, it's not like they cared that I was on time for all of my shifts. And I generally had good shifts every time, except for the occasional, you know, customers who made it really hard. But, um, you know, all of that went out the window because I missed three of my shifts, even though it was communicated ahead of time. Like, hey, I, this, I will not be here because of this. And they made me believe that everything would be okay. But I say all of that to say that I became very uncomfortable. I had been uncomfortable in that job for a long time anyway, and I needed a break anyway. I'm also kind of a workaholic. I was also at school at the time and interning at different studios at the time. So it's really like I had three or four jobs at once and I was just doing a lot. So I was super uncomfortable. And even though it felt uncomfortable for me, I needed to be fired from that job because it wasn't for me anymore. I knew that by the people that I was working with, I didn't like management, but I was kind of forced out of it because I got fired. Like, so, but the nice thing about that was I got fired, but I took a whole month off and decompressed a little bit, focused back on school, focused back on music. And it was nice, right? Had more time for the studio. And it just provided a nice shift in my life that I needed that I didn't get because I was so stressed out about this stupid job that did not care about me. So yeah, when I read this, um, 
with London saying God may be trying to get you to remove things from your life that are not conducive to your end goal. That's what comes to mind when I read this part of the book. So let's move on to the very last section that I want to point out. This is page 57, which is actually not a chapter. It is the conclusion. Wow, faith. Walked on water. Walked on water. Peter got down out of the boat. and Okay, so we're referencing Matthew, verse 14. Um, chapter 14, excuse me. Ugh, I ain't been in church in so long. I know how the structure of the Bible go, though. Matthew, chapter 14, verses 25 through 31. Okay, so the part that I want to highlight. Wow, faith. Wow is an acronym. Walking on water, faith. And for this section, she's referencing the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 25 through 31. So she writes, I didn't just sit around and wait for God to handle everything for me. So when I quit my job, I was still trying to work towards my goals. I didn't just sit around and wait for God to handle everything for me. Another thing, there were more disciples on that boat. However, Peter was the only one who had the courage to get off the boat and walk on water toward Jesus. So she's referencing the book of Matthew. Let's read chapter 14, verse 25 through 29. Shortly before dawn, and she includes it in the book. So if you don't have a Bible, you don't need a Bible because all of the verses that she references, she puts it right there in the book and she tells you where to find it. So Matthew 14, 25 through 29. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. And this is where London picks back up. Peter was the only one of all the disciples. Peter was the only one who had the courage to get off the boat and walk on water toward Jesus. Remember what I was saying earlier in the book about protecting your energy? Everyone is not going to have the same faith as you. Sometimes you will have to take a leap of faith on your own. You may be the only person willing to get off the boat and that's okay as long as you are led by the Lord. People was worried, wait, sorry, not people. Peter was worried about himself. He did not allow the fact that no one else got off the boat to deter him from doing it. He had faith and he acted accordingly. And thank you, Real Eyes, for letting me know I'm doing a good job anyway. So um, Matthew 14, 30 through 31. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And this part honestly makes me want to cry. But I'm so glad she pointed this out, that Peter walked on water. Not only did he have to have the faith, this is about to turn into a sermon. Not only did he have to have the faith to get out of the boat, despite everybody else just standing there, like afraid to take that leap, if you will, instead of taking the leap or getting off the boat to walk on water, he had to get out the boat 
despite everybody else being fearful. And who knows, maybe they were throwing doubts at him. Maybe they were saying things like, don't do it, you'll drown. We don't know, that part is not, that part is not mentioned. But he had to get out the boat and then he had to believe that he could walk on water. But he had to take that first step for himself. And what I love about London pointing this out is as creatives, we're taking a huge risk. And I talk about this in the episode that I did called Emotional Roller Coaster of Being an Artist. As a creative, we are taking a risk on so many things and we are essentially having to jump out of the boat of traditional paths that our parents took or that our family took, our families took um, before us, right? So we're kind of like breaking the traditional route. We're not doing the traditional thing. So we gotta have the courage to do something new. We are Peter in that situation. And there's something else. Um, there's another chapter in this book that works off of the notion that faith without works is dead. So you have to believe, Peter had to believe that he could walk on water and then he had to get out of the boat despite the fears of everybody else, despite doubts that may have been thrown his way by everybody else who could have also gotten on the water with him, but they did not. Um, he has to believe in himself. So we want certain things, right? We want certain outcomes, but then we're afraid. And what page is that? 57, God said, why did you doubt? You had it in you all along. You asked me for it and I allowed it to be. And when you felt like you were drowning or when you became fearful, I was right there to help you. What irritates me, and I've said it all throughout life, what irritates me about Christians, right? Too many of the old school Christians always say things like, oh, just pray about it. God will provide. And it always used to irritate me. It still irritates me to this day because it's like, it literally says in the Bible, faith without works is dead. And which chapter is that? That's chapter five in this book where she touches on faith without works is dead. So as a Christian, how can you just tell somebody to pray about something and do nothing else when the Bible literally says faith without works is dead? You have to take that leap. You have to believe that you can. And even if you start to falter in some areas, you have to believe that God is going to be right there to help you. Where you fail, he will be right there to pick you up. And that is something that I understood early on. And it blows my mind how many people don't understand that concept that, yeah, God puts these gifts in us, but we are responsible for going out and using them, taking advantage of them, becoming profitable off of them or becoming you know sufficient in using them and multiplying the gifts we have to do the work do as much as you can and then where you fall short god will be right there to help you up so i love that london pointed that out because too many people they feel like all they have to do is bare minimum but you have to work you have to do your part and I'm going to just keep harping because I feel like I'm going to just keep repeating myself. You have to do your part. You have to do the work and God will handle the rest where you fall short. So oftentimes we don't feel like we get support as creatives from family, from friends. We don't get support from people that we know, but we still have to kind of break away from the rest of the crowd 
and go on our own journey and go in the way that we think we should and work towards what we say we want. And that's really it. Trust it. Trust in yourself. And then trust that when you are tired, when you do fall short, somehow God's going to make a way. I have plenty of examples of when it's happened for me. So, yeah. And uh, I lied. That was not the last thing. Oh, wait. Luis Baerga says, you are a very gorgeous woman. Greetings from Puerto Rico. Hello. Thank you. He says, I love your songs. Oh, that's so dope. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, sorry. So to get back into the review, um, that was not the last thing I wanted to share. As I was reading through the book, at the bottom of every single page, and uh, I'm not really going to zoom in, but you can see at the bottom of every page, there's like a text or something, right? So you look at the bottom of the page and it says James 1 and 12. If you don't have a Bible, you can look it up on the internet. I do have a Bible, thanks to Mr. and Mrs. Jackson at Mount Zion in Roswell. Um, if we go to James 1 and 12, it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. What I take away from this verse when I read it, blessed are the people who continue to fight. Blessed are the people who continue to endure. Blessed are the people who continue to do right, despite how seemingly easier it would be to do wrong and i had a conversation with someone the other day it is so much easier to do wrong it's actually really hard to be a good person it's actually way harder to do the right thing because we have to keep ourselves in check and we have to keep our egos in check but um what this says to me blessed is the man who endures temptation blessed are those who day by day we put in the work we make those daily deposits we do what we can as much as we can to the best of our abilities but then you know we keep enduring like we keep moving forward even though we might even though we might run into hardships even though we might run into doubts we might run into self-doubt or we might run into doubt outside of ourselves through haters or through family members who have never gone the path that we've gone right we still continue to endure. And it says, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So as long as you just keep doing what you're supposed to do and you are putting in the work, then you'll be fine. You'll be blessed. You will get what you worked for. Now, the timeline of that, that's uncertain. None of us knows the timeline, the timeline of that, which can be really frustrating. But I love that London included that like I said, at the bottom of every page, it got me really curious. I don't even think she put it in the book because maybe that's just something that she wanted us to to look out for on our own. But yeah, I think she wanted us to ponder that because she doesn't have this. She doesn't have that scripture anywhere else in the book. She just mentions it. But, you know, it's just another reminder to keep going. 
And sometimes it gets really annoying to hear people say all the time, oh, keep going, keep going. But really it is that simple. All you gotta do is keep going. All you gotta do is keep moving. All you gotta do is keep putting points up every day, daily deposits, and you'll be just fine. So thank y'all so much for listening to this live book review. For those of you who are listening live, thank you so much for listening in on this book review for the book, Pray Time Off, PTO, Pray Time Off by Jasmine London Elixir Brooks. Here is what the book looks like. For those who will be watching, I will also have images of the book on either side of me. But thank you so much for tuning into this live book review um, of PTO Pray Time Off by Jasmine London Elixir Brooks, who I met years ago. She's a super dope producer out here in Atlanta and engineer and um, executive producer because she does entire projects, y'all. Like, there's no other producer I've seen. I'm sure they're doing it, but all the other producers I follow, people say they want to put together like beat tapes. She's actually done it, you know? Um, she recruits artists to get on her mixtapes and it just keeps growing every year. I, I'm on her newsletter. I got her book because I just really wanted to support, again, like I said, any way that I can support people because I know how tough it is to feel like you don't have support. That's what I'm going to do. So I'm really grateful that I read this book. And since I'm reviewing it, I'll probably reread it again. Because like I said earlier in the video, I actually read this book last year. I just never got around to doing the book review. And this turned out to be quite a lengthy video. But there were so many good points that needed to be pointed out. So definitely let me know what you thought about this live book review. Tell me in the comments section down below um, what you thought about it. I will also leave the link to this book to where you can purchase it down below in the description as well. So make sure you also support London by getting this. And even if it's not about the support factor, make sure you're going because there's legitimately some great lessons in here and some great advice that will help you on your own journey, especially if you are a creative. So I just wanted to give that book review of this. I hope y'all enjoyed it. If you are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that a podcast is, please make sure that you follow my podcast. Make sure that you leave me a five-star review. So that is one way you can show me support on those platforms. If you are watching this on YouTube or Patreon, make sure you give me a thumbs up. Make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you become a patron of mine if you like this content and you want to see more of it by going to patreon.com slash LexiATL patreon.com slash L-E-X-C-A-T-L. And for $5 a month, support me on this journey to creating more content like this, but also bringing you good vibes and good music. <laughs> I will have that link down below as well as links to my music and things of that nature. But again, this was the live book review for PTO Pray Time Off by Jasmine London Elixir Brooks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. My name is Lexi. Until next time, peace.